Episode 36, Hey Love Podcast. The, the enemy's greatest tactic is, is to move us to isolate too fast because he knows we're meant for community. Welcome to Hey Love, engaging the introverted woman in soul care, spirituality, and social spaces. Here, it's all about relationships. Hey, love. I'm dragging a little bit today because one of my kids, who shall remain nameless, decided to make a pizza last night in the wee hours. I think it must have been like two in the morning or something. Do you remember the time when you used to be able to stay up all night like that and and still function in school? Not to mention, in college, I could eat an entire Domino's small pizza at midnight, and my favorite toppings were always pepperoni and black olives, something spicy, and I'd go straight to sleep, never think twice. Now, if I ate even a slice of anything remotely spicy, or even not spicy, I would have to sit upright for hours, and I'd be having bizarre dreams all night. But last night, oh, it made me so hungry. Our bedroom is right off the kitchen, so it was all I could think about. I could tell from the smell. It was a Newman's Own Sicilian with sausage and ham and pepperoni and basil and fontina cheese and zesty marinara. Oh my goodness, I can almost taste it now. So none of that has anything to do with today's episode. All that was for free. Your pizza craving's on me today. I'm your host, Carthy Masters. And you may have heard me talk before about how God has been restoring the years eaten away by the locusts in my relationships with my kids. I am so thankful for the relationships that God has been building and rebuilding under my own roof. All this has a lot to do with my whole why in launching this podcast. I feel like it's my way of communicating things to my kids that I never got to say earlier on. You know, I kind of missed that window to say certain things. So now I'm leaving behind these little chapters for them. So they'll see that mom struggled in her relationships too, just like I do. Now, I don't want you to think that my kids never talk to me or listen to me. That's not the case. It's just different as you'll find. You know, as your kids get older, your conversations with them don't last quite as long as they might now. They're always rushing off to go be with their friends, always in a hurry, always breathless, always looking for the car keys. There have been times when I've actually told each of them, okay, I need your undivided attention for 20 seconds. Just stay with me for that long. I have to be super concise. It makes me be really, really focused on what I want to say. And then they're off. It's not, I'm not trying to scare you. It's just a stage they go through, you know? They don't mean any harm by it. I understand now that it's not personal. It's not something I take personally anymore. You get to where you can laugh at this kind of stuff. I'm sure that I'm going to be back at the top of their list when they have their own kids. I'm told by my friends who have a few years on me that I will all of a sudden become the all-wise, sought-after, cool mom they thought I was back when they were little again. (laughs) So I got that to look forward to. That's nice. I missed out on a lot when my kids were little because I was just so detached emotionally. I didn't know how to connect, but I learned from watching other women in my community, oh, that's how you do it. Another thing I learned from my community is how to live in community. 
Recently, after our house sold in a matter of hours, before the for sale sign even got put up, I'm not kidding, it was just a coming soon sign, which had fallen over in a storm, and people were outside in the yard taking pictures of it. It sold, like, before we could blink. I found myself at a real low point with Lyme-related issues after it sold, and I was basically on bed rest all through my move. So people from my church came over and finished packing up my entire house. They cleaned, they scrubbed, they painted, they hauled off stuff, and they helped me unpack and decorate once we got moved in. I remember thinking, oh, this isn't a church, this is a family Speaking of which, our guest today is J.J. Jones. Don't you love that name? He is pastor of Family Discipleship at Fellowship Bible, and he is all about revolutionizing the way that we've done youth ministry in church. It's a holistic approach for ministering to the whole family that includes equipping the parents as well as the kids. He's going to explain a little something he's come up with called Milestone Strategy. He's going to tell us what that means in a minute. I first heard J.J. speak last year. He and his wife, Anna, had just moved to town. As soon as J.J. jumped up to tell our church a little bit about himself, I was so drawn in by his energy and his passion for family. Since then, he and his wife, Anna, have become real assets to our local body, and I count them both friends and part of my family. I was so struck by how J.J. used the word family as a verb, and I knew right away he'd have something great to share with you and me. So here to talk about how Jesus designed church to family together is my friend J.J. Jones. You know, we started thinking, "Eh, maybe we're not doing youth ministry as well as we thought we were. And in youth ministry circles, they they have begun to have this conversation, and now what we were discovering, you know, five, six years ago is like the context and the conversation in youth ministry now. And family mm. ministry has just ballooned. Really? Oh, yeah. And, and so um, as, I was do- as I was doing that, and um, the third years, I had to kind of decide on a, a, a dissertation topic and begin really having my research and that year's paper really kind of go towards that. Um, that's just kind of where God had me going and said, you know, it's really, youth ministry is just kind of the, it's kind of the, the tip of the iceberg. Mm. The, there needs to be some depth, and it really, that depth is in the family. We, we need to really be focusing more on the family. You started really seeing that. Mm-hmm. So, um, so that's how the, this, this theological turn towards family ministry began happening for me. And then, mm-hmm. you know, as we've been talking about, you know, the context of India and the mm. context of the Eastern mind versus mm-hmm. the Western mind. Because here in America, we kind of take our Western mindset and our Western lens mm-hmm. and we filter everything through that right? and impose that on things. Right. And a lot of times I think that's more detrimental than helpful mm-hmm. um, because we're, we're not God's final authority on <laughs> Right on. on everything, you know, yeah. we're still one of the youngest countries around. So, so true. Um, so I begin to, you know, begin to to see all this and think through all this theologically, and I begin to to understand, have a deeper understanding as I begin to research scripture and research, you know, more things towards um, this this theological task that I had taken on. That really to to reach our kids today, to reach our students today. 
we, we really needed to focus on ministering to the family holistically. That's and great. the bonus was actually that as I started diving into this and seeing what Scripture uh, and, and even church fathers and others had to say about the family, I began to see that, you know, when Jesus instituted the church, you know, one of the things that we, we failed to really focus on is that he really began to set it up to operate as a family. <laughs> right. Yeah, we're supposed so to So he take... never spelled it out because he probably assumed this is going to be a given. Yeah, because that's how they thought. It was sure. an Eastern mindset. When, in Mark sure. chapter 3, when people come to him and they say, hey, your mom and your brothers and sisters, and, you know, they're all outside. And he goes. And he says, who is my mother? Who is my brother? Who is my... These who are doing the will of God, these are my brothers and my mothers and my, you know. Yeah. And we just kind of give a Western mindset of that. Oh, he was dissing his family, saying, family's not important. We live all for the sake of God. That's not what he's saying. He was saying, what he was actually doing was instituting a new family order, mm. right? He, and he wasn't, he wasn't totally disregarding his, his blood. lineage and bloodline of family, right. but he was saying, there's a greater family that I am beginning to establish. It's awesome. That it really is, that carries an eternal bond. Mm. And, and so he, he began to, he was setting up the way, even then, that his church was going to operate. Mm. You know, As yeah, we're supposed to go to the ends of the earth and carry the gospel out. Yeah, we're, we're supposed to baptize and make disciples, but we do it in the context of a family. Yeah. If you think about the three main areas, it's three main areas that youth struggle with, but really deep down we all struggle with. Three main areas we struggle with is A, identity, identity B, autonomy, or you know, do I matter? Do my choices matter? Do I have a voice? Mm -hmm. And then C, belonging. Hmm. Do I really have a place that I can belong? Where, where, where am I? Do I have a place where I can belong and be me hmm. and be accepted mm -hmm. without, without any expectations whatsoever just because I'm loved mm. do I have a place for that to this day still three of the biggest questions that, that even many adults have oh yeah and the one place that has the best opportunity and the the capital to speak into that and say yes to all that is the local the church mm, that's great the gospel through the local church is it man absolutely we, we, you know, so here's the thing, and, and, and you've probably seen this now that you've been in, in our country for a long time, but it's probably a foreign concept in India or in any other Eastern country, but this whole idea of individualism, you know, America, you know we're America. Yeah. We pulled ourselves up by our bootstraps. We, you know, my dad's generation rebuilt this country after the Second World War. Yeah. I mean, we're indebted to them. Oh. But that the mentality, generation. exactly. But that mentality, mm -hmm. that whole we don't need anybody else. Mm -hmm. We're rugged American individualists. Mm -hmm. That is so antithetical to the gospel. It's so hard for us to grasp this mm -hmm. in our churches. We're we're not called. We're not made to be independent. We're called wow. and made to be interdependent, dependent on God in relationship with Him, and interdependent with one another as we do life together. That's, that's what we were created for. And, and, and so the church has the best opportunity, I believe, to purely... I think there are false... There's false ways of having community out there. I mean, I tell... In student ministry, I tell kids all the time, why do you think your friends go to parties? 
Mm. Oh man, just have a good time, you know. It's the only place they can get a beer without getting caught. I'm like, no, the drinking's not about, the partying's not about the drinking. It's, it's, it's about belonging. Wow. Exactly. They know and, they can be accepted a, there. Yeah, but it is, it is an illegitimate form of community. So that's what you mean by false. And what about adults, like going to bars or... Yeah, you know, it's, it's so funny. Um... I'm a huge Jimmy Buffett fan. I love the beach. Uh-huh. I love music. I love his music. I've loved his music since college. Um, and he sings about bars a lot, you know, of yeah. course, you know, Margaritaville. And, but yeah. it's so funny. Um, I, I actually, uh, in my old church, I actually preached on this very issue of community and family hmm. uh, a while back. And I actually used some of the lyrics as I opened into his song, the, the song The Man of Breeze, which is about... <laughs> About a bar down in Alabama. It's an actual bar down on the Bama I coast. I think we were there at Orange Beach. So, uh, yeah, somewhere around there. Yeah. And uh, so the Bama breeze, you know, it's you know, you're one of our own down there. You never feel alone down here. You know, good God, I feel at home down here. <laughs> Isn't it sad that the artists and the great minds that create art in our mm. society look to a bar? And they're not wow. the only ones. Cheers. Come where everybody knows your name. And right. with, you know, Kenny Chesney, when I see this bar, he talks about all the warm friend, family, wow. you know, friendships he has and all that. No one says that about the church. Ooh, ouch. What an indictment. Ouch. And if we right. begin to family one another, it would be one of the most powerful, greatest witnesses that the church could ever have. Because they'll know us by our love. They'll know whose we are. Yeah. By the way, we love yeah. each other. And that's why I really like that. I, I, I got that from a guy named Dennis Gernsley, uh, Gernsey, who was talking about family ministry long before any of us were, mm. really way before his time. But he said, he said in, you know, in this way, he said, the church then begins to um, live into being a family as if they really were family. <laughs> he said, in this way, we begin then to family one another. And we move the word family from being a noun to a verb. To a verb. You know, it, it, it is so incomprehensible to us in a Western mindset, especially as Americans, yeah. where we've turned church into something to be consumed. It's, it's a commodity, mm-hmm. you know, and it's goods that we can offer mm-hmm. and not a family that we can come and contribute to. Mm. So That's very convicting. Yeah. So that's kind of where how I've come to some of the the places I'm at of and for us you know here at at fellowship how we want to begin to to think about church as a family and what it would mean for you know our um for our body to to partner together with homes and 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 parents and families for a lot of people you know once we you know Carthy I'm I'm afraid once we dive into this and we get going I think there's (laughs) gonna be some resistance do you really because we're going to challenge some some, some systems, and we're going to challenge some, just some, some ways we were brought up and how we think. Well, it's true, because what you're saying is we were born to live interdependently and not born to be independent. Mm. As, an, as an American Indian, Indian American, I feel like that is completely counterintuitive, because I was taught just, I think I just caught it by osmosis, to be independent, not need anyone, be self-reliant. And what you're saying is, no, we're supposed to need each other. No. And I've always heard that was weakness. No. The real weakness is trying to do it on your own. 
you know, studies after studies have shown, and I wish I could I could quote exactly what they are, but you know, scientists have put they've put um, groups of animals together in community together where they're doing together, and they put one off alone, and the one alone dies. They put plants and other things mm. off alone. We're we're not created to be alone. We're not created mm. to do life alone. We're not created to be self-sufficient. We are created to be in community. God Himself, the one that created us is community, three. perfect community, the three in one, yeah. the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, in perfect harmony, in perfect love, in perfect community together. And, 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 and that's how things are going to eventually, whether we want it to be or not, when, when the kingdom is fully here, mm. that's how it's going to be. That's going to be the great order of things. Mm. That's the, the, the new heaven, the new earth. That's, that's, that's where we're going we we're going will to be, be yeah, we, interconnected. We will fully, when we are fully redeemed, we will, we will be living not only in perfect community with the one who created us and, and walking face to face with him. That'll be pretty cool. <laughs> but we will be living in perfect community with one another. Right now, the church has the best um, like chance platform. Mm. and platform to... Just give the world a little taste of what that's going to be. Mm-hmm. If we do it right. If we really do this. Now, we don't do that too well. We, we, we don't have, really, have any kind of really good reputation with people right now. No. Because we've, we've, just, we've just stunk at, at, at doing that. But really, we, it's cre- he set this up to be a little taste, a coming taste of the kingdom. Hmm. If, we, if we really do this right. If we do family right together mm. as the church we won't be able to keep people out of here mm. because that innate desire for belonging Man. will be a, this will be a place that can be met can you imagine oh, that'd be awesome. if we really were doing church the way we're supposed to do it it's irresistible people would be they would they would be climbing the doors to get in wow and so, I don't think it would look anything like what we're doing today Besides the preaching of the word and the worship and the, yeah. you know. So, J.J., why do you think there's going to be resistance? I totally agree with you, but why are we so afraid of this kind of interdependence? Because it makes us vulnerable. We have to, we have to be exposed in a way, right? Yeah. I mean, we have to say, okay, I don't have it all together as a parent, and I need help. I need, I need Carthy and Blair to speak into my kids lives i don't have it all together I, and 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 i you know the my my own brokenness you know coupled with my ongoing sanctification in christ wars against each other so many times and i take it out on my kids i take it out on my spouse oh, yeah. and i need a community around me to come alongside not only to encourage me and hold me accountable but to speak truth and life into my family as well does that make sense? Absolutely. But what would you say to my listener who has been hurt, maybe not necessarily by the church as a whole, but sometimes I've heard of women in particular, that's mostly who I talk to, of a woman who left an entire church because she was hurt by one person. Mm. And that one feud grew and grew and grew. And I don't know if you've ever experienced anything like this where, um, you know, 
as a woman, I can speak from my own experience, I know that when I was in a heated conflict with a girl that I was very close to, and we worked together in ministry, and when we were in the middle of a conflict, I started becoming almost paranoid that, oh, well, you know, so-and-so is going to trust her opinion Mm -hmm. over what she thinks about me, and so now she probably doesn't like me either, and then she Mm -hmm. is friends with her, so she's probably not going to like me, so everyone's against me. I don't have any friends. Mm -hmm. It's really easy for a woman. I I shouldn't generalize women all, you know, but I know for me, it was really easy for me to completely isolate myself and pull away from all community altogether. So what would you say to the woman who might be afraid of community because she's been hurt? Yeah. Well, it's not just women. Well, men can, men can probably do it faster than women can. They can just isolate and pull away. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, I would say, first of all, um, nothing is going to be perfect until the kingdom has fully come. Right, right? on. The, the in-breaking, we get a, we get a, we get a taste, uh, a glimpse of this in-breaking kingdom of God that Jesus inaugurated. Um, but that doesn't mean we're not going to get hurt. We're not going to hurt others. We're not going to do the hurting ourselves. Mm-hmm. But we're family. Mm-hmm. You know, there's times that my brother and my sister hurt me or abandoned me, or but that doesn't change the fact that they're still family, that we still have to do life together. Mm-hmm. And, and it, doesn't matter if, it doesn't matter what church you're in, it's going to happen, but that's, that's the messiness of family, mm-hmm. right? But that's also the beauty Absolutely. of redemption. So, so don't give up too quickly. Mm-hmm. You know, seek restoration, seek counsel. Um, the, the enemy's greatest tactic is is to move us to isolate too mm-hmm. fast because he knows we're meant for community. And part of being in community is is hurting each other and yeah. duking it out. And, yeah. I mean, you know, it's what we do as family. You know, it's messy. I've seen my own kids, you know, just wail on each other. And then... Everything's cool, you know, 20 minutes later. <laughs> yes, I've seen um, that too. But hurts go very deep and yeah. wounds go very deep. Um, and there's a chance that whoever wounded may not even recognize it or realize it, or if they do, may not even do anything about it. Mm-hmm. But that's the beauty of our Heavenly Father because our, our identity is not in, it's not even in our fellow brothers and sisters. It is fully resting in Him. And we are loved, we are accepted, um, and we will not be abused by Him. But we, we do have to do a messy life together for now as a family, as the church, because we're still broken, we're still bruised, we still struggle with sin, still hurt each other and others. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's what families do. Yeah. So you sound very hopeful. It sounds like once we embrace the fact that it is going to be imperfect, we are going to get banged up, bruised, yeah. you know, beat up sometimes. But and we do hurt others sometimes. I really yeah. appreciate you saying that because hurt people hurt people. Exactly. But, Every single one of us have done it. Yeah. There's there's hope though because, like the first thing you said is identity. If we if we have our identity grounded in Christ. We're rooted in that, Ephesians 3. Then we can move out of that place. And it sounds like you're saying 
there are skills we can learn to get along with one another. We can resolve right. conflicts. Yeah. We can learn, how do I do this better? Yeah. And we can, even if it doesn't lend itself to resolution, um, we, can, we can learn to, to love and forgive in Christ. Even if it's not got even, a pretty red bow around it. No. No, I don't know any forgiveness that's that pretty. <laughs> and most of the time it's going to expose something within ourselves. Mm. And maybe the core issue, for me, a lot of times when I've been that hurt and I've been that mad and just, you know, PO'd at the world, mm-hmm. most of the time it's because God was using that to expose something in myself that needed mm. to be addressed. So there's got to be a humility there. Yeah. You got to be willing to say about what is yeah. it about me that yeah. you're. Maybe it's not just that person. Maybe it's me too. Uh huh. Yeah. Kind of like you know, I wish Taylor Swift would write a song called "Maybe It's Me." Sometimes, because sometimes, <laughs> sometimes it's, it's like she blames a guy more than anything else. <laughs> it's always his fault. So. Yeah. Um, but that's also freeing, though. That that is also liberating. That it's not you, ever going to be perfect down here. Yeah. Yeah, because we take that expectation off. That, that's a bur- that really is a burden to somebody else. Mm, yeah. to put the, and a burden on us to hold them to that, um, you know, th- that, that particular performance issue that we have where we want them to, to never hurt us or be perfect or perform a certain way. Right. It's, it's not up to us to control that. You're right. So that really is liberating and, and, and it's really freedom in a sense. Mm-hmm. Um, because usually, usually if we if we leave and there's some unresolved issue, and we at least haven't forgiven and worked through that, and that's not easy, and it takes time, and that doesn't mean you're not upset and angry about what happened, especially if it was something that was unjustly done to you. But we process through that; it does free us up to see that person the way that God sees them mm. as a beloved child as a fellow brother and sister in Christ, as someone who's struggling as well in their own brokenness, but that we will one day fully be in, in full relationship with in the kingdom. And to turn it around and see ourselves that way too. Absolutely. It's, it's almost cathartic that. in a way. Yeah. So. Lots of healing yeah. possible. And, and the other thing is that it takes that issue off because when we are in community with one another, even through the, even through the junk, you know, it's... It, it takes, you know, we all have a narrative that we bring to the table, a story. Mm-hmm. But it, it takes us out of that into the greater meta narrative of what God is doing with not just our story, but the story of others. Yeah. And how that is aligning with His story and what He's bringing to be and what He's bringing to pass. That perspective yeah. that just kind of sets things. Yeah. For the, us, the the enemy wants you to focus just on you. And, Little and, story, yeah, and so, so good. Yeah. Can you hear the tenderness in this man's voice and the passion? I asked JJ what his plans are for bringing all this to fruition. You know, really, kind of what I'm thinking as we move forward over the next couple of years and develop family ministry is really focusing on. On, on four areas, rhythms, you know, the the, wow. the times of, you know, the, just really Deuteronomy 6, right? You know, 
Walking press these by the on way. your press these truths on your children when you're walking along the way, when you're getting lying up, down, when you're lying down, when you're in the car with them going to soccer practice, when you're yeah. going through the drive through at Chick Fil A, when you're you know you actually do have that one meal a week, you're all together at one time, you know, <laughs> in be, the car. Be intentional about that. <laughs> Understand the phases of life they're going through developmentally, spiritually. Look for those little God moments. You know, just develop rhythms where you have those conversations. You're available. So, yeah. So you look for those rhythms. Yeah. So rhythms and then rituals or rites of passage, milestones. I was trying to be a good Baptist and illiterate. Uh, <laughs> but those rituals, those rites. You know, Is that some, what Baptists do? Some kind of, yeah, you know, three points in a poem. Everything starts with a <laughs> le- certain letter. But some kind, of, uh, some kind of, you know, rites of passage. I did a lot of research on rites of passage and how the community played a big role. Uh, A kid or a young adult went through a rite of passage in that community. All of a sudden, their status was changed. Yeah, especially like in Africa, in the jungle, when the boy would have to go and survive a week. We need to develop those kinds of rites of passages that we celebrate with kids at all. And parents, young adults, married, you know, marriages, all these different ways that we can kind of set these milestones yeah. as a church family. That's what I did in my doctoral work. I actually developed a, a milestone strategy of, um, of uh, family discipleship. Um, not That's just great. for kids and when they're kids and, and, young, and uh, teenagers, but you know, when you get married, as you're, as you're older and you can become a mentor now. Mm. And, you know, so... So rhythms, rituals, mm. and then resources, the equipping classes that you mentioned, mm. you know, something like a parent summit, parent workshop, parent conference, marriage-type conferences, stuff like That's that. That's great. A resource center that we could have available for parents and, you know, put resources out. So good. And then the, the key, really, for all of these are great things, but the key is really relationships, mm. you know, helping families develop key relationships, speaking to Mom and dad's life, other people in the church speaking to their kids' life. The, the whole five to one thing. We used to say that we needed, you know, one good youth worker for every five kids. We've we've kind of flipped that now, and we've said we've said the value of it is really we need at least five key adults that are pouring speaking truth and pouring into the lives of kids. So with no other different. agenda other than just to help them become more like Christ. And achieve, yeah, love it. So widening that circle, you know, whether it's the, you know, fellowship kids ministry, fellowship student ministry leaders. Uh, I want to develop um, kind of a, a parent mentor mm. group, like kind of like what Fellowship Bruin has done with the marriage mentors, parents, love older it. parents that come alongside and walk along and journey with younger parents. Wow. So um, good. You know, relationships for kids and we students within that. their own peer groups. And nice. If those relationships are in place, then these rhythms and rituals and these resources all work together. If we can develop something along the line with a goal where, where, the, where the key is for every kid, every student to be adopted mm. into the body of Christ as his son or daughter and brothers and sisters together in Christ. We then, family one another. Then we are we family one another Love and we're on to something. So that's that's a little bit of a peek of what I'm thinking. I couldn't help but feel a tinge of regret as I was talking with JJ. Just because I had worked so hard all through my kids' childhoods to teach them to be independent, not interdependent. You know, I started just feeling like 
man, I did it wrong. And I began to wonder if there was something I could do to undo that or to remedy that. And he assured me, yes, there is. So what can I do now to build this kind of healthy rhythm, interdependence-based relationship that you're talking about? I, I think what I would say is that, you know, you begin now and start fresh and you find, find a, the key is finding these other key adults that can come alongside and speak into your life and speak into your kids' lives mm. or your grandkids' so lives or your... If I widen that circle and find get that community around your kids, you know there when we had when my son was um, moving from eighth grade to ninth grade, we there were some of the dads in this small group that we worked with their small group leader and we had kind of this bonfire night. Oh, nice! But we we and we had a token. We had the rite of passage. We had a token that you know they they could choose between one or two things, and we got it engraved with a verse for them and all that. Wow! But but we each had key men over the years that had a had an influence or a role in their lives to write a letter to them, mm. and we gave them that letter that night at the bonfire. Oh, that's powerful. It is very powerful stuff, and um, wow. And so, um, and we want to create opportunities and moments like that with our folks here, at fellowship as well. And and I, I can't. Can you imagine a group of men taking their sons on like a week long hike on the Continental Ooh. Divide? Oh, that's awesome. You know, and, and and calling other men that have been a part of their life to journey part of that walk with them. So great. You know, it's a visual as well that, you know, but but calling people to take that journey with you and walk alongside Mm -hmm. you and your kids' lives Mm -hmm. is the beginning of of that redemptive work, Mm -hmm. no matter what's happened in the past. Mm. So I don't know if that helps or not. Yeah, (laughs) and I I truly have seen how God has begun that work. And I love what you're saying about widen the circle. Yeah. So that's a really important piece. And it sounds a little bit like it takes a village, but this is different. It does. Different. It, well, and <laughs> that is actually a, an old African proverb about community, and it is very true. It does take a village. Now, spiritually speaking, it takes a church. <laughs> but It takes a church. Yes, that's right. What he said. The gospel lived out in the context of a local church. That's it. It was so validating for me to hear that we were not meant to do life any other way. That's what we talk about all the time here on this show. JJ said we're created for connection, hardwired for interdependent, multi-generational, close family-style relationships. Wow. How did we get to be so bad at this? If we were wired for it, I don't, I don't know. How did we get so far away from it? J.J. also said there's a shift happening in the way we're approaching youth ministry and family ministry. So that's great news. And as we begin to do this according to the way that Jesus set it up, the world who's really hungry for this kind of family interacting, they will find it irresistible, like the intoxicating smell of bread baking in the kitchen or pizza baking down the hall, like that kind of irresistible. That's how we can influence culture. Not so we can just, you know, like regain some degree of power or something. 
It's so that we can make known the name of Jesus, the one who sent us in love, the one who has loved us with an everlasting, never-ending, overwhelming love that cannot be contained. It's going to splash out whether we like it or not. Since the recording of this interview, J.J. has already started to set up equipping classes for us parents. And one of the things I heard him say the other night at a parent meeting was he's done a lot of historical research. And he says, at the turn of the century, Christians created the best art. We were the only ones who would dare go into a village infested with the plague. We influenced the culture. But slowly, over time, we pulled out of the culture. And now it feels like it's us against them. We have to change this. But like J.J. said, God can redeem all of it. In fact, I have seen glimpses of this already. Just last night, I witnessed something I, I don't even know how to explain. A friend of mine got married last night, and her wedding was held under a bridge. It's my friend, Kim Camp, who was on the show earlier on. She was on one of our very first episodes, number three, I believe, Well, Kim chose to have her wedding ceremony held under this bridge where she and her fiancé have been ministering to hundreds of homeless people on a regular basis. And last night, my friend Kim and her husband and the church fed over 300 homeless people dinner and this fabulous, gorgeous, tall wedding cake. It was the most meaningful, beautiful wedding I have ever seen. One guy walked up to me. He saw me tearing up. I was just taking it all in, you know. Nobody was pushing or cutting in line during dinner. Everybody was watching out for each other. And they were all so honoring, especially to the older people. And they were singing these praise songs. And these people, I'm telling you, I've never heard singing like this. It was truly otherworldly. It felt like I was being transported to a different planet or something. They sang these harmonies effortlessly for almost an hour before the wedding, and they sang loud with all their hearts. People were catching up with each other, hugging each other, asking about each other's lives and their kids, how they've been surviving out in the streets. That was some wicked rain last night, man. You know, all these comments about the weather, it takes on a whole new meaning when you're living out in the elements, you know. I saw young women there with little bitty babies and just a suitcase or a diaper bag and a stroller. And the women were all helping each other. It was so beautiful to watch, especially the ones with babies. The older ones were real quick to jump up whenever a young woman needed anything with her baby. One mom wanted to get up and get some water or something. So without a word, she just pointed down at her baby, and this older woman nodded and walked right up to her. The young mom handed off the baby to the older woman, and the baby was content and cooing the whole time through the whole thing. Then, after the minister pronounced my friend's man and wife, the cheers lasted, I don't know, it must have been 10 minutes. Kim and her new hubby meandered back up the aisle, embracing everybody with their tattered clothes and their unwashed hair. They knew all the homeless people by name, and the homeless ones all knew them by name. These are our friends. One lady I noticed had a t-shirt. It said, the church has left the building. I thought, this is exactly what JJ's talking about. These precious people who come to the bridge for a hot meal a few times a week and groceries to take with them God only knows where. 
They know how to do community. They know how to live interdependently. And this church, my God, who are these people? I just admire them so deeply. I have this profound respect. Every week they're out there several days a week doing music, come rain or shine. So this one guy walks up to me. He had the warmest eyes and his clothes were pretty torn up. It looked like he had seen some rough days. But he took my hand with both of his hands and just held mine for a second. And we had like this connection. And I don't know, I felt like I was looking into the face of God. I could not get over it. The whole way home, I was like, what just happened back there? I'm still stunned today. And I don't think I'll ever be the same after that wedding. Well, love, I've sure enjoyed this time with you. And I would love to know, do you feel a sense of family in your church? I hope so. But if you don't, I understand that. My prayer for you today is that you will feel an overwhelming sense of belonging there. Or that the Lord would lead you to a church where you do feel that. If you've been encouraged, please leave a review on iTunes about this episode or which particular one has been your favorite so far. Here's one by J.B. Genlaw. Love, love this podcast. If you need a reminder that you're not alone, that we're all facing the same daily struggles and fears, this is the podcast for you. Thank you, J.B. Genlaw. I appreciate that so much. Words of encouragement. Love it. So do hop on to iTunes and leave one yourself if you like what you hear. Just another way for you to live out love. Till next time. Bye, love. My thanks to the heroic, handsome, most talented rock star, keyboard player, producer, engineer extraordinaire, and my best friend, Blair Masters, for setting it all to music. And thank you for joining us. Come on back, and we'll talk more about how you can find your happy by living life more connected. Right? I need I need people that have gone before me in parenting to speak into my life because I really think I'm sucking at it right now. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I can say that on your podcast. Oh, you can say that. So, Anna and I are pretty raw. So. <laughs> we are too.